He was nothing more than a simple automaton, a spectacle for the crowds. I was certain you had a mind, had thoughts, like me, she said. Firiam looked up at her with eyes that glinted with silver. I'm one of a kind, aren't I? He shuffled his feet nervously, though they were in midair. Same as you. The ball returned to Oriana and whirred gently. We should go, she whispered. She set Firium back upon his chair, which he placed just outside the shattered glass cabinet. I wish you well. Small miracles are my specialty, he said. Like you finding your way to me. Goodbye, Firium. Welcome to League of Lore, a podcast about the lore of League of Legends and other properties set in the Runeterran universe. I'm your host Jacob, or Scald Soldiers, and let's get into it. Now, today we're going to be talking about Oriana, the Lady of Clockwork. She is kind of a interesting character in the fact that she is another champion with very little lore attached to her, unfortunately. However, I feel like there is more to her than most champions with little lore have. And to get into it, let's just get into her backstory. Because Oriana was the daughter of a man known as Corin Revik. He was a renowned artificer and a designer of prosthetics. And while she was growing up with her father, uh, she was trained in the same talents as, as he held. She was trained to be an artificer, she was trained to build prosthetics, she was just trained in the general cyberpunk, uh, chempunk, not chempunk, uh, magitech, hextech of Piltover. She was an altruist to a fault, and she just always wanted to help. If someone uh, scuffed a knee or broke an ankle, she would be out there helping them pretty quickly. Now, her father was very protective of her because she was basically all he had. As far as you know, uh, her mother was not in the picture, whether that because of a divorce or she died, it's unclear. Although based on how protective her father was, we can surmise likely her mother passed away, probably due to some accident in Zon that seems most likely. But speaking of Zon... The day everything changed for Oriana's young life was when a disaster occurred in Zaun that released a large amount of toxic gas. It is important to note that uh, they did not live far from Zaun. They lived not near it exactly, but not too far. They were in sort of the outskirts of Piltover proper, approximately. Uh, therefore, when they heard about this, uh, Oriana immediately wanted to go and help. And despite her father's wishes, she went down there to help. She had brought along a lot of breathing masks due to the toxic gas and the toxic fumes. Because she knew that the people down there were going to need them so they wouldn't die. So she starts giving out masks to those in need, those who are choking to death on the toxic fumes. Only for her to quickly run out until she only has one left, the one that she's supposed to wear. But then she sees a child in desperate need of help. And so 
and the ultimate act of alt- of altruistic kindness, she gives her mask to this child, dooming her own body to full exposure to the toxic fumes as she doesn't have a choice anymore but to breathe them in. Shortly after this, she was uh, rescued from the toxic fumes, and she fell very ill. And it wasn't it didn't take long after she fell ill that her lungs had to be replaced with prosthetic ones, uh, thanks to her father. And they were powered by a clockwork key that had to be wound in order for the lungs to work. And this was purposefully designed by her father to prevent her from venturing too far ever again. As you can tell, she had a very controlling father, and this did not change as she continued to need more and more prosthetic replacements as her body continued to fail. Uh, It was down until only her heart remained, uh, eventually. Uh, her whole body was all mechanical and filled with prosthetics, only her heart being the last, like, organic piece left. And as a consequence, due to all the replacements she had to go through, including, based on that evidence, even her own brain, her memories began to fade. It was during this time, uh, after she had basically had her entire body fully replaced due to the detriment of the toxic uh, chemicals in her body, forcing that to happen, Corin, her father, became ill. And money was very tight, likely due to all the prosthetics that she needed uh, from her illness. So, considering that Corrin couldn't do much because of how ill he was, Orion decided that she would do whatever it would take to get funds. She started making her own little uh, figurines, essentially, to sell. Because she thought if she could sell enough of those, that might work. But unfortunately, she was not making money fast enough, even though she was making gorgeous, like, little ballerina figures, little wind-up music boxes, the whole nine yards. They weren't selling fast enough. Uh, and so, uh, and Corin was also making these as well. It's a whole thing. I, the whole point is that eventually she was not able to continue making, she was not able to make the money fast enough before her father could likely die. And so she turned to the chem barons of Zahn for help. Uh, which kind of states that Piltover uh, does not have the best healthcare system if uh, they were not able to help her out in this scenario. Uh, due to how uh, poor they were at this point. Either way, she seeks the chem barons for help. And so they give her a hex crystal. And despite the fact that she does, she was able to pay for this hex crystal, probably using all the funds she had to do so... Uh, they asked for even more money and even and more and more basically payments um, until she, her funds just completely ran out. So she just had no more money left. Uh, it, due to this, she knew that more than likely she would be attacked by the chem barons next time they came and put her father at risk. Maybe they would even try to pawn her off to someone due to her unique nature as a near-pure machine from a human. Well, in her final act to save her father, with no other options left, she did surgery on herself to remove the last bit of humanity she had left, her heart, and replaced it with the hex crystal that she was given by the chem barons, and implanted her heart into her father, replacing her own with the hextech heart. And and then she would take the hextech uh, crystal, 
instead of putting it in her heart as one would expect, she instead put it in a little orb, which is the ball that follows her around. If any of you have played League, you see the little ball around with her. Uh, she put it in there so that she would always have a companion who could help protect her and also probably wind the key on her back so that she could move about without need of her father. And so she leaves her father behind, leaving a single finger figurine of herself behind, or something that looks like herself. It's a little figurine of a ballerina. And that is the last that she leaves with her father. Now she has fully become machine. There is nothing organic left inside her. And she goes out to explore the world to find somewhere where she can belong, essentially. Because she is no longer who she was anymore. She is something else entirely. As you can see, Oriana has a pretty sad kind of tragic backstory where her father was very controlling. He was trying to protect her, but in the process, literally bound her to him through the invention of the clockwork key so that she couldn't even go far from him without needing it to be rewound. She was able to eventually find a way around this, but by that point, she was already so far gone from who she used to be. She had to basically flee due to the criminal elements trying to go after her for even more money or just to pawn her off. And so now her father is all alone, with the only thing to remind him of her is this little figurine that looks like her. Now, before we get into some of the the more deeper thematic elements that I am definitely going to be getting into, because Orion has a lot going on there, uh, especially with the short story, which the quote at the beginning was from... We'll get back to that in a moment, but first, we're going to do a quick break. If you want to help spread the show or simply get more content, you can follow the official Twitter at League of Lore 2 for updates on the podcast and other lore tidbits, as well as a rate or follow the podcast on your podcatcher of choice. You can also follow my Twitch account, twitch.tv soldiers, where, while recently I've not been streaming, I do plan on streaming again soon, uh... Life is just kind of crazy. That's also why this uh, episode took so long to come out. I do apologize for that. It's just, just been a lot going on since the holidays that have uh, kept me away from being able to do this podcast. I do apologize for that. But as you can see, I'm coming back now. And hopefully within a month's time, I will be streaming more regularly as well. We shall see how that goes. But... Despite that, I am still driven to continue this podcast, despite the troubles and tribulations. As you can tell, I'm just so appreciative of all of you, all support. And with that, we're going to get right back into this. So, the core question with Oriana as a character kind of gets brought about in the short story that is tied to her character. In the, short, in the short story, she encounters a character known as Firim. Now, Firim is not a real, they're not a conscious being as far as we can tell. They seem to be like a sideshow attraction used to amaze people by the technological know-how the people behind his creation uh, use to basically create artificial life to a certain point. It, he's kind of a chatbot, essentially. He is a a human-sized chatbot. Oriana, when he runs into him, does not understand this because all she sees is someone like herself. Someone who is alive, who has a fully robotic body, and so she sees him as someone like her. She thinks she's found someone that she can relate to. 
And so she talks to him, and after a while, she decides she's going to help him escape this little sideshow attraction. But when she breaks open his glass to get him out of there, she quickly realizes that he is, in fact, not alive like her. He can move like her. He can move like a person would move. But she notices all the connections that he has into his little box that he is inside of. And sees how he doesn't react like someone would react upon being told they're going to be freed. He reacts like he's pre-programmed to react. And so therefore, she is kind of filled with melancholy and sadness. And she she leaves him. Uh, there is a slight moment where she thinks she sees him uh, smile at her as she departs, which brings into question maybe he was more alive than she initially thought, or she initially thought she thought. But it's unclear, it's kind of left ambiguous, which is kind of the whole point with Oriana as a character. She, to me, is the perfect embodiment of the age-old question of the ship of Theseus. Now, ship of Theseus is not really a question, it's more a philosophical idea. For those of you not aware of the ship of Theseus, it's based on this idea of if you replace a single panel of wood from a ship, the ship of Theseus, and replace it with a new panel, is that ship still the ship of Theseus? Is it still the same ship? And what happens when you replace all the panels, like every last piece of wood, nail, everything, until the whole ship is completely made of new parts, all its old parts have been replaced, is that still the ship of Theseus? And then, to even go further, if you take all those old parts and build a another ship with them, is that ship the ship of Theseus, or is it the ship of, or is it the ship of Theseus where the panels came from? Which is the true ship? And if the ship of Theseus that um, got all those panels from it is no longer the ship of Theseus, what was the point where it was no longer that ship? It is a fascinating philosophical question because it brings into the point of the whole idea of how, what is, what is you essentially, or what makes a thing, what makes an item, or what does makes a thing exist? What makes a concept? Uh, is it the physical thing itself? Or is it something more immutable? Is it something like a soul? Is it something like just uh, you attach something to it and therefore that is what it is, even if everything on it is replaced? It's kind of hard to know. Like with Oriana, she is a living ship of Theseus. Every last bit of her was replaced by mechanical parts. And she is still known as Oriana. Even her own memories began to fade, but she is still Oriana. So then the question becomes, how much of the original Oriana is still left in there or is that still just pure Oriana, and we're kind of devaluing who she is just because she is fully mechanical now, but she used to be organic? And there becomes the question. Who is Oriana? Is it the uh, flesh and blood body she used to have? Or is it who we see now? Is that the true Oriana? We don't know, because all her fleshy bits are gone now. She is now just a pure mechanical being she's not a cyborg because some people would argue oh she's a cyborg she's still her no she's not even a cyborg anymore every last bit of organic material in her down to her heart is gone it is now full hextech she is even 
I, she, there are some implications that she is more machined than even someone like Camille is. And Camille rep- di- also replaced her heart with a hex crystal. Oriana and Camille share this in common. Which is something where I would like to see her story kind of go. I would love to see her interact with someone like Camille. How would Camille feel about seeing someone who went through a similar process that she did, but was not so willing about it that it was necessary? Unlike Camille, where she willingly did it to become the perfect assassin for her family and her clan. Uh, how would Oriana interact with someone like Blitzcrank, who is a true self-sapient uh, AI uh, machine? He, uh, Blitzcrank was never a person. He was a pure machine that was built. How would that go? And we'll talk about Blitzcrank when we get to Zahn, by the way. So then the question comes down to, like, basically, what is the nature of the soul? What is the nature of self when it comes to Oriana? And to me, it kind of comes down to, there's not really an answer. And I think that's kind of the fun part with it. I think you could argue there's an answer. Oriana is Oriana. If she says she is, then she is. That is what I would go with as well. But the fact the question is there is really fascinating. Oriana is one of the most intriguing characters in League, not because she has really deep lore or really deep implications in terms of the broader story, but because she asks a really interesting philosophical question. What makes you what makes up who you are? And that like she defies a lot of that, like the fact that she's lost some of her memories, the fact that she has no organic bits left, it really brings into question how much of the original Oriana still left? Is that even the original Oriana at all? I tend to think that it is still the original Oriana. There's still a lot of her in there. It's just now she's just lost a bit of herself due to the memory, due to the memory stuff. But she's still in there. She still remembers her father. She still remembers that she used to be a, a, a human. But there are parts of her past that she just doesn't remember. And so that also makes her biography a bit of an unreliable one. We know the broader strokes are accurate. But maybe the fact we don't know about her mother is because Orion just doesn't remember her at this point. It's hard to know. But that's kind of the whole point with her character. is She is a, a big old question mark, but one that I like. I like the fact she's a big old question mark. Because... It's not a question mark where we need an answer. It's a question mark where the answer is the question itself. Because the ship of Theseus, as a philosophical uh, question and logic puzzle, not lo- real logic puzzle, but a philosophical puzzle, there's no real answer. The ship of Theseus doesn't have an answer. It's just something to think about. And that is what Orion is. She is someone to think about, someone to ponder and maybe when she comes out in uh, Legends of Runeterra, we might get a bit more on her, a bit more insight into who she is now, after she left her father and is now roaming around Piltover looking for some place to, to belong. Maybe she decides to leave Piltover. That would be really cool. I would love to see her go on adventures with Ezreal, for example, which we'll be covering next episode. Uh, I just can't wait to see how it all goes down. We Only time will tell... Uh, I can't wait to see her interact with someone like Victor. Like I said, I can't wait to see her interact with someone like Blitzcrank. I would love to see her interact with Echo. There are so many characters that I would love to see her interact with, both because they're around the same age as she is, and because they share a similar experience to to her in in various ways. That's why I want her to see Camille. That's why I want to see her Blitzcrank. And that's why I want her to meet Victor, especially. Those three in particular, I definitely want to see her meet. 
But only time will see if uh, that ever gets written. Only time will tell. But with that coverage on Oriana and the question of the ship of Theseus nature that she has, if you have any questions or thoughts, please send them in your reviews on your podcatcher of choice or to loreofrunterra at gmail.com. You can also send them through the Discord channel, League of Lore, on the Robots Radio Network Discord, and they'll be answered in the next episode. And, like I mentioned, next time we'll be be wrapping up Piltover finally with the prodigal explorer himself, Ezreal. See you all next time. Ever wanted to be a content creator but had no clue where to begin? Come join me as I sit down with content creators that have already faced the challenges you're up against as they discuss the tips and tricks that help them be successful. Here on The Content Creator's Guide, available wherever podcasts can be found.